and welcome to Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is December 29th, the final college football betting preview show of the year. Had a very successful year. Nice uh, 40 and 29 on the season. Nice 58% win percentage from a betting standpoint. Hopefully you've been along with us on this ride. Been able to profit a little bit here. Hopefully you got some other good tips um, to take advantage of places where we maybe didn't place a bet. Um, but we're going to get you covered here with the two playoff games. I'm going to do a, a recap of sort of the entire transfer portal, recruiting cycle, all that stuff in a longer form podcast down the road here. Uh, make sure you're you're following uh, Trophy Kids podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll do some short form videos that I think will be really good this offseason, kind of give our grades out. I'll talk a lot about kind of guys going in and, and just the overall kind of mood around college football, a, a sport that I love, you love, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, that is sort of being eroded away a little bit, you know, the new form that the direction we're heading in, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be better. Um, I think the 12 team playoff will for sure be better, but I think that there has been a real lack of leadership in college football in like everything where there's a lot of money at play. If there is a void of leadership, greed obviously fills that void every single time. And I think we are seeing that on the college football uh, scale and, and, so hopefully there's, you know, some things we'll talk about, some changes that we hope to see that I think will will make a difference in college football moving forward. You know, ultimately, we'll see the direction it's going. But we'll talk more about that in long form. You know, I really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of the college football playoff, the, the two matchups we have, which are really fun. I think the later matchup, Texas-Washington, is going to be an, just an explosive fest. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about that second. I apologize. I still got a little sick in me uh caught a little sick right before uh christmas um so i do apologize if you hear me coughing a little bit um still got a little congestion from that all right let's talk the first game of the day rose bowl the granddaddy of them all alabama michigan line is at one and a half michigan is the current favorite over under sitting at 45 and a half the number might be a, l a little different depending on where you're looking at this game um but let's talk the first side of the ball which i think um, offers up some some challenges, and, and that is the Alabama offense versus the Michigan defense. I think when we talk about this game, there's a lot of people that will bring sort of the accounting stats into this, and I, I think there needs to be a little bit more nuance to that because the Michigan defense has not faced anything close to the athlete they will see in Jalen Milrow. And this is an Alabama offense that is certainly down this year compared to what we have come accustomed to with this team. I mean, this is a team currently sitting, you know, right now outside the top 50 in yards per game, outside the top 50 in passing yards per game, 47th in rushing yards per game. You know, they're sitting outside the top 15 in points per game, you know, outside the top 20 in EPA per pass, outside the top 40 in EPA rush. Like this is a unit compared to it. the past iterations of Alabama is certainly down comparatively. You know, we've talked about this over the course of the season, the wide receiver room is certainly not the same that we've become accustomed to out of this Alabama side. The quarterback room certainly doesn't have, you know, a Jalen Hurts or a Tua in there. Jalen Milrow has certainly developed nicely, I think, as the season has gone on, but there's still some question marks there. The offensive line is, is certainly down, and you're going against a Michigan team that has not faced an athlete like they have in Jalen Milrow, but is extremely good at a lot of places. And I think the first kind of area that you really – that sticks out to you when you watch the film, when you watch the tape, when you watch the games, is this Michigan defensive line. 
It is deep. It is talented. They can rotate a lot of bodies in. And this is a, a mismatch opportunity, potentially, that they can take advantage of. I think Kirby Smart, you know, laid out a pretty good game plan from a defensive standpoint that I, I'll be interested to see if Michigan implores a very similar game plan. And, and that's one that, you know, you're looking to take away the deep ball because Jalen Milrow has been an absolute assassin at the deep ball past 20 yards or more. Um, and try to make him work the intermediary side of the field. When you rewatch that Georgia game, as I've done, uh, you see a lot of guys running underneath, virtually open. But Jalen Milrow right now hasn't fully developed that intermediary passing game. It's certainly come along better, especially in the last five games of the season. Really, since that LSU game, you've seen the offense really start to buzz a little bit more. Part of that is because Jalen Milrow has become more of a runner, um, which has opened up another layer to this Alabama offense, but we saw a lot of guys in that Alabama wide receiver room running open. And I don't know if Michigan necessarily has the secondary to do exactly the same thing Georgia did. Georgia's secondary is better for sure, I think. But the defensive line is really where a mismatch comes. And I think that interior part, both Alabama's interior lines, I think are a weak spot in sort of the area that we're going to try to see Michigan when they do bring pressure. Um, or try to isolate their pressure, it's going to be in that interior part of the line, attacking the center position in those two guards for Alabama. Um, I think the game plan will be relatively simple. You know, keep Jalen Milrow in the pocket. You know, keep a spy on him. Try to take away the deep ball and try to make him work intermediary, middle of the field type of stuff because he hasn't shown a consistency yet that really makes you feel threatened there in that game plan. Um. Michigan will certainly have its hands full, I think, defensively if if they don't do that because we've seen this Michigan defense struggle with more mobile quarterbacks. They haven't faced a ton, but when they have this season, it's certainly exposed some elements of this defense. So that will be certainly an interesting matchup. I think when you flip the field and you get this Michigan offense versus this Michigan or this Alabama defense, Zinter is certainly a, a concern because he is out. Um, and the Michigan offensive line is down comparatively, I think, to last year. This is a team that I think will certainly look to run the ball and, and control the clock that way. Neither one of these teams is really designed to play from behind, so it's going to be really important that what, whoever gets out to an early lead probably going to hold it. Um, this Michigan offense has not seen a, a secondary quite like this. This is an elite level secondary that Alabama brings to the game. Um, and they get hands on you and they force you to do something at the line. And outside of Wilson, there hasn't been a guy that has really stood out in the Michigan wide receiver room. I don't think I, I'm going to be very interesting. I think a, a guy let's flag this now. Maybe a little, if your state offers prop bets and players, Donovan Edwards is a guy he's dealt with some lower body injuries this season. He hasn't had that same kind of pop he did in years past, but he's had 30 days off. If he has that ability, that that pop to be isolated on linebackers in the passing game, that could really open up something here for Michigan. Like that could be the X fact, one of the X factors. I think the other is uh, McCarthy's ability to, to be mobile and, and be a part of this run game. But I think Donovan Edwards has got to play a role in the passing game to really unlock something here because I don't think the Michigan wide receivers are going to win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles on the outside. I think you have a better opportunity here if Edwards can kind of return to a version of himself we'd seen, you know, last year prior to these these lower body injuries he's has, has sustained um, because he needs that. 
And then you have Blake Horm, obviously a bruiser inside. The offensive line hasn't been as great, but I do think that Alabama's defense uh, along that line, you know, they're outside the top 30 in yards allowed per rush attempt, outside the top 25 um, in first downs gained by the rush. So this is a defense, I think, especially in the internal part of that defensive line, you can have success against. And they have certainly played better. Um, they played a lot better in the Georgia game, for sure, the defense. But this is a unit that we've talked about over the course of the season that has struggled at times, I thought. And the element that everybody's aware of, everybody's going to be talking about, is when you have a mobile quarterback. J.J. McCarthy, obviously, has been dealing with some injuries. And we don't know the extent to which those injuries have been affecting him, but I think it's pretty obvious when you watch that his lower body mechanics have fallen apart a bit during this time period. He's been less willing to run and be mobile. I think he's going to have to be if Michigan wants to find success offensively, because I do, I do wonder about the tackles ability to, to maintain their responsibilities against these Alabama edge players who are good and can kind of get after you a little bit here. Um, I think that if, you know, Shrow Moore elects to use McCarthy a little bit more as a designated runner. That could unlock something here. It, they've got to be able to run the ball. They've got to find an X factor, whether it's Donovan Edwards lined up against a linebacker and getting him out in the passing game or JJ McCarthy being a more willing runner to get something here. Because once again, I have legit concerns that there's not going to be that ability to win the one-on-one -on -one battles on the outside against that secondary. Um, that has been very, very good. And I think, as we said before, or I've said before, you know, on when you flip it, we, we just talked about it. You know, Jalen Milrow has got to be more consistent in the luminary throw. I I think the ceiling is certainly higher for the Alabama team. Both these teams are capable of winning a national championship. But in a year where there isn't really a dominant team, we've seen more parity through college football this year. Um, every team in the college football is capable of winning the national championship, obviously. Both these teams do not want to get behind because both these teams do not play great from behind. Alabama certainly has a little bit more of an ability here. Um, I do like... You've also got the Rose Bowl, which has been an over, over success from a betting standpoint. It's a fast track. I kind of like an over here. Maybe a Michigan money line opportunity. I grabbed Alabama. I got them at two and a half when the lines opened um, at a spot. The line has come down a little bit. But at this point in time, I Jalen Milrow certainly is the guy that, man, if he can get going, it can get ugly quickly. Yeah, I think the play from a betting standpoint is probably an over. Um Maybe a, a cheap Michigan money line, maybe. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. I don't think either one of these teams has like a great edge over it. Like I, I'm not as strong of an opinion on a winner here as I am maybe in the Texas Washington game, because I do think these teams match up extremely well um, for what they both want to try to accomplish. It's just which X factor is going to you know, be the game changer here. I tend to lean a little bit more to the Michigan side from being able to control the game. That defensive line is really good. 
I think Georgia rolled out a very good blueprint for Michigan's defense to follow. Um, I don't think the narrative that like, oh, well, you know, Nick Saban's only lost one time since the BCS era when he's had a month to prep. It's not like Michigan's coaching staff is a bunch of idiots. Like this is a well put together coaching staff. Alabama did hire <laughs> the linebackers coach um, from Michigan to help help handle with this game. But these these are competent coaching staffs. They match up really well. The Zinter injury could be significant for Michigan's offensive line that has certainly struggled. You know, we've seen a, a decrease um, in yards before contact this season from them. They're hovering right around like two yards. Last year, I want to say it was like 2.4 or 5, I want to imagine. So about a half, you know, a yard on average uh, before contact down this year. There's less of a push. But Alabama's defensive line has... Sh- showing an ability to be pushed around at times. Um, I think Alabama certainly, if you get the team that has shown itself post by last five weeks of the season where they really had a, a strong increase, nearly, I think, 100 yards in total offense, you know, almost more than 10 points um, more per game than they had in the early part of the season. They've really started to come along. If you get that side of it, okay. Yeah, I can see the case for Alabama. I think the other thing that I flagged too is Blake Quorum was talking about, you know, how this year's prep was a little different. Um, they still practice hard, but not in the same way to try to bring more juice to this game because last year they they felt they didn't have the juice coming into the game last year. So that that is also something. I think the rest side helps Michigan more than it does Alabama. Is a set was the long winded way that I was trying to get around that. I think ultimately that the the rest period has helped Michigan more in kind of getting back into its groove, maybe helping De- Donovan Edwards there, Blake Horm a little bit more pop, J.J. McCarthy obviously getting healthier. Like, I, I think that favors Michigan. I like the over more. I like the over more at 45 than I do one side, but I say, you know, I got to pick a side. You're making me pick a side. It's about a coin flip, but I'll, I'll go Michigan. I don't I don't think there's a crazy edge edge there. Let's talk about my favorite game, Texas-Washington, because this is an awesome matchup. Like, this game, French kiss, beautiful thing right here. Lines at four, over under 63 and a half. We've seen a little bit of the battle on the total and inside here. Um, Kalen DeBoer and this Washington team have done a phenomenal job this year. Nine games have been won with 10 points or less. They've been a ton of close games. They've kept their composure. They're a battle-tested team. They've been underestimated by both myself and the larger media apparatus and fans, I think. You know, I was a guy who who definitely thought Oregon was going to win that Pac-12 championship game, and, and Washington showed me wrong. Um, and then you get a Texas team, very high on coming to the season. Stark was fantastic. This season, I said before the season started that this was going to be the singular most important season in Texas history, Texas football history, because of their transition to the SEC and how they needed this year to go well to prove to have proof of concept, to continue the recruiting ability that they've had and moving into the SEC. And the area that Texas has done such a superb job of getting is line play. That is the difference maker here. Like that is where there are a lot of edges that both these teams have matching up wise. But I think consistently in the trenches, Texas is certainly favored in my opinion. You look at this Texas offensive line, they're ahead of schedule. I did not think that they were going to be as good as they've been this year. I thought this what the production level they're getting this year was something we we're going to see next year. They've been fantastic. You have a wide receiver room that's really good. The, the Xavier Worthy injury is certainly noteworthy. He was in a boot. He has apparently been practicing. You're going to need him. Stark does a phenomenal job 
of scheming things up to get wide receivers in space. This Washington defense has been sloppy from a tackling standpoint this season, but this Washington defense has improved in the red zone. And that is significant here because Texas has done a phenomenal job of moving the ball down the field. But when they get into the red zone, they have struggled. And we have seen that struggle increase since the Jonathan Brooks injury. They're now, you know, running back by committee, talented running back room, but an inexperienced running back room. And they've struggled in this Washington defense. You know, I, I don't know how they're going to manufacture pressure, but I don't necessarily think that's a huge concern because they have gotten better and toughened up in the red zone. This is a team that can create some havoc and turnovers. You know, we've seen Quentin Ewers be a little bit slow to start and then really get into games. I think he's got to have a quick start. I think Texas is going to score points. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that Washington has improved over the course of the season with their red zone defense. They give up a ton of yards. I mean, they're 66th in yards per game. Uh, or no, 66th in yards per play, I apologize. 93rd in yards given up per game. But the red zone defense, but they're not that bad when it comes to points scored and, and allowing conversions. So Texas is going to be able to move the ball. Can they score in the red zone consistently is going to be a huge thing here for them. Um, but I think they they absolutely have an advantage in the trenches. I I, I don't know what the game plan is going to be for Washington outside of the red zone because if you bring pressure, you're leaving your secondary exposed who has had a tough time tackling in space this season. You have a stark offense that does a phenomenal job of scheming guys up to get into space. Xavier Worthy, if he is near healthy, is going to be huge. If he's not, that is a game changer for sure. Flip the ball. Washington has benefited immensely from this break. We, I had speculated based on the way Penix had been playing that he was dealing with some type of injury. We now know that he was playing through a broken rib. You've got guys like Johnson and McMillan who have been playing through, through injuries. This is an interesting matchup because the Texas secondary is certainly their liability standpoint. And they have a phenomenal defensive front. This is an SEC caliber defensive line. Sweat and Murphy are legit bona fide guys. Um, this is obviously an insane offensive line for Washington. But this Washington offensive line has not seen a defensive line like this. The closest thing you have is maybe a Utah from a physicality standpoint. And we, we saw that Utah had some success from the defensive standpoint. Texas has to be able to get natural pressure so they can drop more guys back and help that secondary because this is a team in Washington that is loaded at the wide receiver position. Just unreal. And I think, you know, if you had to say, you know, which team do you have more faith in if they get behind to come back from, it's this Washington team. It's Penix, who has been a calm, cool field general out there. Um, this season in a wide receiver room that is explosive. And we even saw it in the Oregon game. Like they weren't getting these huge down the field explosive plays. What they were doing was getting guys open in space with, with shorter intermediary passes and then letting the wide receivers do the work there. And, and they were very successful in that. What I do not like is that there seems to be some ideas floated out by the Washington offensive staff that they're going to try to have more balance. That I do not think is a recipe for success. You cannot run on this Texas defense. You just can't do it. There are te the teams that have been successful in doing that have had mobile quarterbacks. You saw it in like the Oklahoma game where Dylan Gabriel got involved in the rushing game. That's about it. Or like garbage time. 
you can't run against this Texas defense. You just can't do it. So, it, you know, the worst thing I think uh, Washington could do is try to be really balanced early and flip it late. Like, you have to be willing to keep up with Texas if they score points. I think this is an over game. I took the over right away. I think both these games are over games. I think if you wanted to tease Alabama-Washington, would not be the worst idea in the world. Um, I do think we're going to have a Michigan-Texas championship, but I would not be shocked if Washington pulled this. I, I have underrated them a little bit, but I just... I think all things considered, the trenches edge, and I know how good the Washington offensive line has been. But let's not devalue this Texas defensive line, which has been spectacular. Top three, in my opinion, in college football this season. That's going to be an awesome battle within the battle. I cannot wait to watch that Washington offensive line go out and compete against this Texas defensive line. That's going to be a fantastic battle. It's probably going to be the game decider, if we're being honest about it. Penix has been phenomenal at eluding pressure. You have not been able to sack him this season, really. He's been fantastic, spectacular. I think a live betting situation is certainly in play here. Let's see if Texas gets out to a fast start. If Ewers is firing early, that is certainly going to be in Texas's favor. But Washington can certainly come back. I I like an over here. I like a Washington maybe in a teaser. I don't hate the idea of, of sprinkling something on the Washington side. This is probably going to be a field goal team. That's the other, I guess, part is the special teams there. But um, like this is something. This is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be an awesome game. That's how I kind of see these games breaking down. That's sort of my thoughts on these games. Um, we might tweet out some additional picks, maybe player props. So make sure you are paying attention to our socials at Trophy Kids Podcast. I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for the support you guys have shown this season, for hanging in there. I am glad we could have yet another winning college football season. 48 and 29 on the season. Nice 58%. Fourth year in a row of a winning higher than 56% win percentage. We fell underneath our goal of 60%, but 58 is not bad. Let's hopefully end it strong here. I want to thank you again. Your support means the world to me. We're going to continue to bring you football content in the offseason this season. We're going to break down all the big teams, the movements going on, transfer portal news, everything that's been happening. Thank you. Thank you again for your support. Hopefully you get your friends and family involved. We we want to grow our viewership base, obviously. Make sure to follow us at Trophy Kids Podcast on TikTok, at Trophy Kids Pod on Instagram and Twitter for additional content. And as always, peace. 